three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou. Great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, Matt Nagy got a new job. It's an epic rant that you don't want to miss, and it comes up in just a second. Plus, a brand new interview today with Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and an analyst for Westwood One. Talk with him extensively about the Bears' season, what to expect for them come next year, and so much more. It's a great interview. It comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook, John's Glue. You want to listen to more of this show? Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. Want to start today with this? I'm almost happy, truthfully. You know, it's pretty pathetic to go back to your old team, old job, isn't it? I mean, think about it. You quit an old job. You're so happy. I got a promotion. And then you crawl back there after a couple of years. That's pretty pathetic. That kind of comforts me a bit. There is, though, one burning question that's still inside my chest. Why did Matt Nagy get hired again? For what reason? I don't care if it's really his old job, new job, whatever it might be. What makes him qualified to be hired or employed by an NFL team? Oh, John, you're forgetting about 2018 Coach of the Year. I don't care. We've seen proof. There's been multiple methods of proof to show that he's sabotaged his quarterback. That he's being hired as a quarterback's coach. Somebody explain to me how any of that makes sense. Hey, Urban Meyer got fired for a number of different things. One of them included supposedly kicking his kicker. Hurting Trevor Lawrence. The whole stripper incident thing, but that's not the point. The point is, he was fired for negligence. He was fired for problems on his team. Maybe Matt Nagy had no off-the-field issues, but it's documented. We know that he sabotaged. Mitch Trubisky, Alvin Robinson, Anthony Miller, to an extent. What makes him qualified to even be hired in the NFL? You know, I saw this news when it came out. My heart was beating out of its chest. I was fuming. Ruined my whole day. I'm all for forgiveness, for getting a new chance. 
He did things on purpose to sabotage Mitch Trubisky. In my book, there are no second chances. There is no chance for redemption here. Know what he did? Put everything on Mitch Trubisky, kept his job, hurt Justin Fields, now hired again. Mitch Trubisky's over here fighting for his career. Matt Nagy ruined it, and yet, oh, right back to Andy Reid, right back to his best friend to get another job. I'm not surprised I was warned about this, and you all have been too if you've watched my program. Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, comes out all the time, and he told me a number of times, Matt Nagy will be hired again. Ryan Pace will too. It just shocks me that Matt Nagy specifically got another job. Didn't deserve it. Didn't deserve it. Just so disappointed. You know, there might have been other people who've been within the Chiefs organization who might have worked their way up to that sort of position. They didn't get it. No, it went to Matt Nagy. Sandy Reid wants to take care of his coaches. I'm going to really know what Matt Nagy's going to be doing in Kansas City. If I were the Chiefs and I was smart, don't let him near Patrick Mahomes. And he won't be. He might be a senior offensive assistant quarterback's coach. Who's calling the plays? Andy Reid. Matt Nagy's just going to be another guy on the sidelines with a headset, hoping for the next opportunity. That's never going to come, by the way. It better not. The next team to hire Matt Nagy to be a head coach, well, start digging your grave right now. Colossal mistake. I saw a lot of people on Twitter praise this move for the Chiefs. Oh, he did great with us. In the years he was here before, worked well with Pat Mahomes his rookie year. Even Patrick Mahomes was pretty happy about the news. Here's what Mahomes said about Nagy before in the past. Obviously, he was an awesome, awesome coach, and he helped me out a ton, helping explain things to me as I was coming up from a totally different offense to this one. He really helped me with just presenting it in a different way that I understood, and I was able to pick up so I could have success wherever I was in practice or in preseason games or in the last game of the regular season back in 2017. You know, it's pretty funny. Why help out Patrick Mahomes, but not Mitch Trubisky when you come here? What possesses you to change from helping out one youngster to screwing another? Here's what the article said, too, just to give you this perspective. Quote, Nagy went from a star coach to a frequent target of criticism for Chicago's listless offense. Well, it was all well-deserved. However, reuniting with Mahomes in a less prominent role could be the perfect remedy. My question is this. Perfect remedy for what? For his career? I'm going to be here and I'm going to remind everybody for years to come what Matt Nagy did here in Chicago. If it's five years from now, Nagy's going to be a big commodity again. I will be here to remind everybody what happened. He thinks he's going to run away. He thinks by going back to KC, taking this small role, he'll be out of the public eye for a little bit. He's going to run away from all the criticism, all the problems. All the reports. And I'll change up his career for the next head coaching gig. Newsflash. I'm not letting you go. Other people might, right? Nobody cares anymore. John, why are you still talking about Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace? Get a grip. No. I'm not going to stop talking about this. And I will continue to expose him. Till eventually, hopefully, no more jobs for him in the NFL. There's no reason why he deserves a job in the NFL at this point. We have proof he sabotaged Mitch Trubisky. 
Hey, the only fair thing, if you're going to criticize and hurt your own quarterback's career, what about yours? Bob Daggy made millions of dollars from the Bears while kicking out Mitch Trubisky, sending him to the curb. Almost hurt his career. This close. And if it wasn't for Mitch being a good sport about it, getting a one-year deal, being a backup, hurting his ego even more, maybe he'd be done in the NFL. Mitch Trubisky tracked his ego at the door and somehow stuck around. Matt Nagy never lost his ego, gets another job. I'm sure you've experienced this too, right? Like someone you know probably doesn't deserve a sort of position or a job and they get it. It's frustrating. <laughs> I can't imagine a lot of Chiefs assistants, right? A lot of offensive assistants were eyeing this position, didn't get it, goes to Matt Nagy, some failed has-been coach who sabotages quarterbacks for a living. For a living. And he gets the job. There is no justification for why he should ever be near an NFL team again. Go coach a high school team, college team, whatever it might be. But even then, I'd be scared, right? He sabotaged Mitch Trubisky at the NFL level. Who's to say he won't do the same thing in high school or college? He shouldn't be around football again, period. And instead, he gets another shot. I don't care if it's not a head coaching position. This will inevitably lead to a head coaching position again. Wrong. Shame on the Chiefs. And shame on Andy Reid for giving Matt Nagy another chance. He doesn't deserve another chance. Not after this. Not after what happened here. Remember when the Bears hired him? Remember 12-4, and four, Mitch Trubisky? Great team. Then what? 8-8, eight and 8-8, eight, eight and, eight, and whatever the hell this year was? They go through two different quarterbacks, two star quarterbacks, and a bunch of backups. Completely bungle the quarterback situation this year, too. You know, if Matt Nagy's such a good quarterback's guy, why'd he sabotage Mitch Trubisky and screw up completely what happened this year with Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles? If he's such a great quarterback guy, right? Good quarterback IQ, got hired as a quarterback coach. Why'd all that happen under his watch? Hmm. Well, the Bears' offense, they like crap. After 2018, and even during 2018 to an extent. Why'd Mitch Trubisky get blamed for problems that weren't really his fault? Why was his development stunted by his own head coach? Why'd Matt Nagy choose not to meet with Trubisky after 2020? All these questions should make sure that he should never be a coach again, right? These are all things that would be red flags for any other candidate, and yet he's still employed. Someone hired him. Just goes to show you all about patronage, all about people you know. That's really it. He went back to the place where he knew he'd be okay. And again, if he thinks, like going back to Andy Reid by being all sheltered in Kansas City, away from the Chicago market, oh, he's just some low-level assistant. Who cares about him? No, I'm going to track him. I'm going to keep talking about him. I'm going to make sure that he never leaves the accountability. He needs to be accountable for what he did here. So he's not getting off the hook with me. Everybody else won't care, right? Everybody else is going to refuse to talk about this. Keep moving on. 
Worry about Matt Eberflus, Ryan Poles, of course, understandably. But I'm not letting him off the hook. Not after what he did, and not just Mitch Grabinski, which is a big problem for me, what he did to Justin Fields, what he did to this fan base in this city for the past four years. Not just Mitch Trubisky. Justin Fields, too. Anybody else remember Cleveland Browns? Fields' first start, just getting mauled and manhandled, sacked. Anybody else remember? Oh, but Nagy didn't want to play him. And it was George McCaskey who overruled Nagy in that case. What a weekend coach. And yet, the year before, quote, we need better play out of the quarterback position. That was a quote from the year-end press conference after 2020. Better play, huh? You benched Mitch Trubisky for Nick Foles. Anybody could have seen it was a stupid move. Just a horrible idea. But you did it. A lot of people supported you, too. And everybody realized, wow, what a stupid move. Bring back in Mitch, you win a couple of games, go to the playoffs, and then nothing. At the end of the year, you have the audacity to say, oh, yeah, better play out of the quarterback position. You get your new guy, the guy you wanted, new quarterback, rookie, and can't even develop him. Seven touchdowns, ten picks, 11 fumbles, and now you're fired. Thank you. He was the problem from day one, not the quarterback. You know, something's pretty fishy when you got Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Chase Daniel, Mitch Trubisky, and Justin Fields not working in your system. Can't just blame it on Mitch Trubisky and move on. Oh, yeah, he's a bust. It was his fault. Not my fault. It's my offense. It's great. Oh, it isn't. It sucks. You intentionally ruined a kid's career. Think about how bad that is. You know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. There are a lot of coaches I've had when I play baseball. A lot of them who always told me, you know, you're not just my player. You're my kid. I want you to develop. I want you to be a good kid on and off the field. You're my kid. You're not just my player. Why didn't Matt Nagy have that approach with Mitch Trubisky? Alan Robinson, too. He tanked their careers. Who knows where they're going to be come next year? I already know what happened to Mitch. I mean, Mitch had to take a backup job. We could all say, okay, Mitch Trubisky may not be that good. 16 touchdowns, 8 picks, good passer rating. That's not a backup, right? That's not backup numbers. That's pretty good. That's a low-end to middle-end starter. Should have been starting somewhere. Couldn't because of what Matt Nagy did to his reputation. Oh, it's all Mitch Trubisky. This guy's damaged goods. He's a big bust. Should have drafted somebody else. Well, you know what? How about the Chiefs should have hired somebody else? How about you shouldn't be in the NFL, period? End of story. There's no reason. Oh, yeah, sorry. I don't take lightly to sabotaging other players' careers. I don't. Especially people who are good people. Mitch Trubisky, everybody said universally, whether you loved him or you hated him, good guy. Alan Robinson, for the most part, everybody said, good guy. Both careers sabotaged at the hands of one man. Shouldn't that bother you? Because it sure as hell bothers me. Both careers sabotaged at the hands of one man. One man. I guess Matt Nagy's in that business now, right? 
in the business of sabotaging his players. And all I have to say, a message to Chiefs fans who might be happy or wondering about how this move went, be careful, Patrick Mahomes. Be wary. Because if I know Matt Nagy, I do know this. He's clever. He's conniving. And oh yeah, he has a massive ego. If you let him infiltrate your offense for any reason, say goodbye to the offense. <laughs> offense is over. You're going to be putting up 15 points a game with Patrick Mahomes. Then what's going to be said, right? If Pat Nagy actually got a say in the Chiefs offense, they're putting up 20 points a game with Patrick Mahomes. wonder what the narrative's going to be. They're not going to dare blame Patrick Mahomes, right? No. But here we had to blame Mitch Trubisky, send him out of town, blame Allen Robinson, send him out of town. No blame for Justin Fields. Then everybody finally caught on and said, you know what, maybe this is a Matt Nagy problem. Yeah, no blank. It's been a number of years. If somebody could explain to me what qualifications he has to be hired as a coach, tell me. Comment at me on social media. Tell me what qualifications he has to be a head coach or to be a Coach in general, doesn't matter what it is. Head coach, quarterbacks coach, senior offensive assistant, tell me what that means and why he is supposedly qualified to get that job. I'd love to hear the explanation. Right, senior offensive assistant. Oh, he knows so much about how to run an offense in the NFL, right? Or how to develop a quarterback, right? Yeah, of course. Mitch Trubisky, Justin Fields, that was all Matt Nagy. No, it wasn't. And this is a travesty by Andy Reid and the Chiefs. It is. You chose to reward somebody for sabotaging other players' careers. That is unacceptable. Only part of me is happy that he had to crawl back to Andy Reid. That's pathetic. So I'm happy. You know what? It proves to me that nobody else wanted him to. Really. He was probably going to have to sit out for the 2022 season. Who else wanted Matt Nagy? We didn't hear any reports. And by the way, we still haven't heard a response about what he did to Mitch Krabinski in the report that came out from The Athletic. We still have not heard a response. See what I mean? He's trying to go to a different market, smaller media market, becoming some low-level guy to stay away from this blowback. But again, I'm not buying it. I demand a response from Matt Nagy. All these reports. You got three of your former players a quarterback, a prominent wide receiver, and another guy who should have been developed, Anthony Miller, all claiming you sabotaged them. Why are we not hearing a response? He got hired. Ryan Pace got hired too. We aren't hearing any responses from them as to what happened here in Chicago. That's fishy. I demand a response. Probably won't happen, but I demand one because this is ridiculous. He thinks he's smart, you know. Thinks he's smart to go, oh, I'm going to go back to Kansas City. Everybody there loves me. I'll be happy. Nobody will ask me anything about the Bears or what happened because I'm in a smaller media market, and who knows, maybe Kansas City media won't even ask questions about this, or they won't be allowed to ask questions about it, and that's it. End of story. I want to know. I want to know what happened here. I'm not done searching up their story or looking into it. I want to know what happened. 
I want to know how it's acceptable for a guy to sabotage a quarterback's career, sabotage a prominent wide receiver's career, turn around, get fired, get another job, and get paid and stay in the NFL. He scapegoated so many people to stay here in Chicago. He fed into his massive ego and his power trip. And yet, somehow, some way, he's still allowed to be a coach in the NFL. Remember Chuck Pagano got fired, right? They blamed Chuck Pagano and Mitch Trubisky at the end of 2020. Now, this past year, even with him being fired, people are going after Allen Robinson. This guy takes people down with him. And he never really went down. Again, got another job. Going to get paid handsomely, going to sit there with a clipboard and a headset on the sidelines and be fine. And I guarantee you, you know what? If he got hired again, right, by Andy Reid, chances are he will be a head coach again at some point. Going to take probably a number of years, like Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, people forget, was a train wreck in Denver. Train wreck. Totally bungled the quarterback situation there. They had Kyle Orton doing great. Took him out, put in Tim Tebow. That whole thing was horrible. He got fired for it, too. Now he's back in Oakland. And I hope it goes well. I wish him the best. But the point is... It didn't work. And again, Denver, small media market. If that happened in Chicago, what he did in Denver, he'd never get a head coaching job again. Maybe he'd be an assistant somewhere, not a head coach. Now, same thing for Matt Nagy. This guy ruined the careers of Mitch Trubisky and Alan Robinson, but you know what? Mainly Mitch Trubisky. Yes. Really, that was it. And yeah, I have a problem with that. Whether you like the kid or not, I don't think many of you would be happy if somebody ruined your career for no reason, too. That's Trubisky, not a bad kid, worked his butt off, tried his hardest to do something on the field, was never catered to. I read you the quotes last week about Mitch and what he said. Nice to be free in an offense where you don't have to overthink, right? He was sabotaged. I'm sure many of you watching, listening, I've had the same thing or something similar happen to you and your jobs, right? Somebody sabotages you. Do you really want them to turn around and find another job just like that and move on? And you're still sitting there trying to plan out your next career move because you were sabotaged by them? No, I didn't think so. That's why I got a problem with this. He tanked, completely tanked, Mitch Brabinski's career. Everybody could say what they want. Oh, hey, Mitch rebuilt his image. The fact is, a lot of people still remember what happened here. That's always going to follow Mitch around for the rest of his career. And that's unfortunate. That's because of Matt Nagy. Same with Alan Robinson, too. Robinson's under that same boat here. So, I don't know what else to say here at this point. Matt Nagy did not deserve to get another job. He didn't. And he did. (laughs) Andy Reid stuck out his hand, hired him again. We've heard reports. We've heard what Matt Nagy did purposefully to Mitch Trubisky. So he can't even deal with players, right? He can't even deal with personnel, with players. He fired Chuck Pagano. No need for that. He ran out Mitch Trubisky. He stifled Allen Robinson and his potential for targets this past year. He did things on purpose to hurt certain players on his team. What makes him qualified to then coach different players on a different team? You know what? Chief's problem now. Really, it is. 
going to go one of two ways. One, they're going to actually make him a part of the offense and he'll screw things up. And then I could say, I told you so. Or two, he's just going to stand there, have no real job and collect a paycheck. And in a couple of years, he'll be another head coaching candidate. When that day comes, mark my words, wherever I am, whether it be on this YouTube, whether it be wherever, wherever I might be, I promise you I'm going to make a video explaining why this would be a horrible move for any team involved, for any team potentially interested. Wherever I am, mark my words, I will. I will not forget. This was an orchestrated move to help advance his career. Really, it was. You can't go wrong here. You go back to Patrick Mahomes, back to Andy Reid, back to KC's offense. Not a huge title, but still a decent enough one to garner some respect. And a small, crappy media market in which nobody cares about what happened here. No one's going to ask those questions. Hey, Matt, what happened in Chicago? Hell, if they do, they'll probably be kicked out. He really made the best move for his career. Give him that much. But I won't forget. Nope, I won't. You shouldn't either. I'm going to keep holding him accountable. If I hear his name again, there will be another video. I'm going to show you and show everybody why he shouldn't be another head coach, why he shouldn't even be in the NFL, period. He hurt people, hurt innocent people for his own benefit, caused the downfall of others to keep his job. That, to me, is a horrible person. Really? You're firing Chuck Pagano? You're blaming all your troubles on one quarterback? Ever think about his life and about his career and about what he wants to do in the NFL? No, you didn't. You wanted to keep your job. Mitch Trubisky's fighting for a contract. And yet, Matt Nagy already has another job and he's fine. Alvin Robinson fighting for another contract. Matt Nagy already taken care of. That is a huge problem. That should be talked about more. I hope more people understand the significance of this hiring. See, everybody wants to say, oh my gosh, Matt Nagy got hired, that's funny, and move on. No. He got hired, and the people he hurt are still searching and clamoring for some sort of opportunity. To me, that's messed up. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Ross Tucker comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here John Zaglul, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, a former NFL offensive lineman, and he's on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Please welcome Ross Tucker to the program. Ross, it's great to have you on. How are you? John, it's my pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. What do you make of the Rams' Super Bowl win, first off? Let's start there. Uh, well, you know, obviously it's been talked about a lot. They were very aggressive to try to have success this year. I think there's multiple reasons for that, and it worked. Um, you know, two things I think are interesting, right? Number one, I believe that some of the moves that the Rams make are not just for football reasons. I think being in the Los Angeles market, having competition in that market with the Chargers, I think they believe that star power matters. I think that they believe they want to get some players 
that are stars established like Jalen Ramsey, like Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr., Matthew Stafford, that have that sort of star power because they know they're not just trying to scratch and claw for wins. Let's be honest. They're trying to scratch and claw for fans at this point. So I really believe that that's part of the strategy that the Rams employed, and obviously it worked. The other thing is, you know, everybody always says the same thing, right? You know, you build through the draft, stockpile draft picks, you know, get these guys cheap on rookie contracts. Then you extend your own guys. What I think is interesting about the Rams is they're kind of zigging while everybody else zags. You know, it feels like 31 teams are all trying to do the same thing. Get more draft picks. You get more, <laughs> you get more uh, bites at the apple. You get more younger. Like, everybody's got the same formula. The Rams are kind of like, you know what? Rather than using draft picks that are maybe a 50-50 proposition, why don't we trade for or sign guys that we know are stud NFL players and then fill in the other positions around those guys. They have like no middle class and it worked for them. And I wonder how much of it working for them is because they were simply unafraid to do things unconventionally. Do you think that model sustainable for next year and the years to come? Like could they win another Super Bowl with this model and with this team? Yeah. Yeah, they could. Um, I think they'll be in the mix next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they'll win another one. It's very hard to do so. We saw how many of these playoff games were so close, came down to the end. They very easily could have lost to the Bucks or the Niners or the Bengals for that matter. So I think the margin for error for all these teams is really small. We've seen that with the Chiefs and the Bills and the Packers, certainly. So I don't know that they will win another one, but I think – they will be in the mix as long as they've got Stafford and Donald and McVay. I think those three guys surrounded by some other talented players give them a chance to be in the mix, especially in the NFC. Is Aaron Donald a surefire Hall of Famer now with this Super Bowl? Yeah, I think he already was. I think he already was even without the Super Bowl. I don't think that's a huge factor for a position player. I think for quarterbacks, I understand why it, it had carries more weight, but yeah, I mean, I hope people appreciate what we're seeing. Like we are seeing Ray Lewis. We're seeing Reggie white, Lawrence Taylor. And we're seeing one of the best defensive players that's ever played the game. And I think sometimes, you know, people have recency bias but also sometimes people have the opposite. I don't know what the opposite of recency bias is, but sometimes we, we, we hold the guys from when we were younger in such high regard, the LTs, the Reggie Whites, that you don't realize like, no, th this guy's that. He, he, he's that. And you got to realize and appreciate what we're seeing from him. How tough is it to block like as an offensive lineman? You played before, obviously. You played in the NFL. So how tough is it to defend somebody like Aaron Donald or another some of those great tackles that you talked about? Uh, extremely, extremely difficult. I mean, let's be honest. They are better athletes than we are. Now, there's some really <laughs> gifted offensive linemen, but for the most part, 
the defensive linemen are, are better athletes. In fact, I think the defensive linemen, you can make an argument, are the best athletes in the world. And I mean that. I mean, you're talking about 280 to 330 pound men that are incredibly quick and agile. I mean, incredibly. I can remember the guys I went against that kind of remind me of Aaron Donald or Bryant Young, who just got in the Hall of Fame, uh, Leroy Glover. And I couldn't block those guys to save my life. And Aaron Donald's <laughs> better than them. So that gives you a little bit of an idea. Just so explosive, so quick, strong, good with their hands. You know, they're not 300-plus pound guys. They go about it a different way. I'd rather go against a 300-pound heavy guy than one of these explosive, quicker guys. What's the key to being a good offensive lineman? Uh, yeah, there's, there's a bunch. Um, I th think at the NFL level, it's primarily technique. You know, I never quite got my technique where I wanted to be, but there's kind of a baseline of every guy in the NFL from a height, weight, speed, athleticism standpoint. That doesn't mean there aren't some guys that have better feet or some guys with longer arms or some guys that have a better anchor and they're stronger because all that's true. But really what I found separates guys more than anything else at that level is technique and repetitive technique and preparation, knowing what the opponent's going to do, football intelligence, having a good feel for what's going to unfold on that play. So you can be sort of a step ahead and then your hand usage and your, your foot usage, your footwork. And I, you know, I worked on that stuff all the time, John, and I never quite got it where I wanted to go with it. Um, and maybe part of that's because I played for five different teams. I had nine different offensive line coaches. So <laughs> I was constantly changing my technique, which I wouldn't recommend. Uh, but I do believe that technique is probably a big separator at that level because so many people at that level, really all of them, have the physical ability to do it. Ross Tucker here on Sports Talk Chicago. Ross, let's talk Bears for a second. What was your reaction to their hires at head coach and GM? Um, well, I think... You know, I had heard a lot about both those guys. So I, I don't think uh, there's anything that jumps out to me initially with concern. I think, like anything else, you don't know how a first-time GM will be until he does it. Because even if he was in a good program in Kansas City and was watching what Andy Reid and Brett Veach were doing, he still wasn't ultimately the guy making the call. Now, I do think there's a lot of good lessons to learn from Kansas city and hopefully polls learn those things. And then Everflus is just a crazy story. I mean, you know, the only reason why he got the Colts defensive coordinator job is because McDaniels hired him and then McDaniels bailed. I mean, it's really unbelievable. Cause I used to think, boy, uh, Everflus can't be happy about that. And then it turns out it worked out wonderfully for him. Now he gets a chance to be a head coach in Chicago and a lot of people have a lot of respect for Matt and the way he goes about his business. Uh, I'm excited. Obviously the Colts have had a really good defense the last couple of years. I'm excited to see what he can get done. Are they capable of success with the Bears based on their roster makeup and where they stand moving forward? 
Well, I think they're capable of success. I, I don't have uh, delusions of grandeur, I would say, for the 2022 season. It feels like there's a lot of um, things up in the air. Obviously, Allen Robinson, I think most people probably think he's gone. Uh, I'll be curious to see how they put this offensive line together. They should be very young up front. Um, but, you know, I'm not breaking any news here telling you that the key is Justin Fields and his development and what they can get out of him in year two, which is why, you know, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't, you know, get an offensive-minded coach. You know, I kind of thought that they would get an offensive-minded coach, head coach, uh, because they thought he'd be the best for Fields. But I also respect that they didn't do that. You know, they took the head coach they thought would be best, and the head coach that they had confidence would be able to bring in a coordinator that can get the most out of Justin Fields. How do you evaluate his rookie season based on what you saw? I would say um, maybe slightly disappointing. You know, I don't think he was bad. Um, I think that there were, as I probably expected coming into it, I thought there were moments. He had some good moments. He had some bad moments. It was probably about what I expected, John, but probably a little bit worse. I, I, I thought I would see more growth towards the end of the season. You certainly saw the tools that are there to work with, but I mean, the tools are there to work with any guy that gets trapped in the first round. You know, they all have certain tools. I'm trying to think if I had to rank it, like I, I don't know that he had a better rookie year than Davis Mills did with the Houston Texans. Um, now, certainly he played more than Trey Lance, which is good. He definitely looked better than Zach Wilson, who was the number two overall pick. I put him behind Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence based on what I saw. So he's ahead of a guy that he probably shouldn't have been ahead of in Zach Wilson. And he's behind a guy that it's surprising he'd be behind it in, in Davis Mills. Why do you think that was? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, he did not look to me to be extremely confident with knowing what he was doing and what he was being asked to do. You know, I felt like a bunch of the sacks that he took were on him. And they're better than turnovers. Don't get me wrong. Um, they're much better than turnovers. But I think sacks are more of a quarterback stat than people talk about. You know, I think that's a big red flag for me with Joe Burrow. Obviously, Joe Burrow had a fantastic year, got the Bengals to the Super Bowl, but he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. And that's the thing more than any other that Joe's going to have to work on going into next year. You cannot take that many sacks. And if you're Justin Fields, he cannot take that many sacks either. I don't want to blame your brethren, but does that have something to do with the offensive line too? No question. No, I mean, they're not a great offensive line. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, that that's an understatement. They're below average, I would say. However, some of those sacks were still on fields. I mean, you watch, and some of those sacks were absolutely still on fields. And the line did do a decent job at times with the run blocking um, for Montgomery. But, uh, yes, uh, it, it's a combination of both. It always is. Everybody always wants to point the finger at one or the other, but it's clearly a combination of both. 
When you talk about the Bears, they hired Luke Getze to be their offensive coordinator. Do you expect a jump from fields going from Matt Nagy's offense to Luke Getze? Well, I think he'll play better. I, I guess the question is how much of that is because it's Getze and not Nagy and how much of it is just year two? You know, how much of it's just Justin Fields having a chance to be able to have a whole offseason and to know he's the guy, get all the reps with the number ones. I mean, that that to me is the biggest reason of all is just the amount of reps he'll get and the experience that Justin Fields got in 2021. I think he'd be better in 2022 with almost any coach. I think that's not the standard. The standard for Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus will be how much better. How do you rank Fields and how do you rank this rest of the rookie quarterback class that you saw between Lawrence and Wilson and Mac Jones? Um, I would say uh, Mac Jones won. It's very close between Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence for two. Very close. And yes, I'm taking into account offensive line. I'm taking into account, <laughs> you know, what position, you know, what, what team they're on. I got it. I got, I get it. But I still think it's one is Mac Jones. Two is Davis Mills, Trevor Lawrence. Three is Justin Fields, I guess four. And then after that, Trey Lance. And then Zach Wilson was last. I mean, Zach Wilson really, really struggled. Was that a product of the Jets or a product of him? Both. Always both. Um, Jets O-line struggled at times as well. But, man, I, I, I expected a lot more from Zach Wilson. Now, the one thing that's interesting about him is, you know, his O-line at BYU was awesome. So he had a lot of time in college, and he did not have that with the Jets. Maybe the Jets are just cursed. I don't know, but. I thought he was clearly the worst of the rookie quarterbacks. Although, to be fair, you know, Trey Lance did not really play that much. More to come with Bronze Tucker in just a moment. Stay tuned. Vincent, Sports Talk Chicago. Ross, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, your playing career. How'd you get your start? Uh, well, so um, I, my parents wouldn't let me play until I was in sixth grade. You know, they um, they thought that I would get hurt. You know, they were concerned. I always laughed at that. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be the one that hurts them. You know, <laughs> I was not, I was not as worried um, about that. So, um, sixth grade was my first year. I was very much a late bloomer. Um, ninth grade, I was probably five nine, 150 pounds. Tenth grade, six foot. 170 uh junior year i started to sprout up a little bit about 63 to 10 and then by my senior year i was a little over 64 240 245 pounds i never got you know the big time uh power five fbs offers from penn state or notre dame or wherever 
Um, you know, my options were William and Mary in Delaware and, and Princeton and Harvard. And I just thought, wow, I remember distinctly thinking, John, I'm never going to make the NFL. So if I can go to Princeton or Harvard because of football, I got to do it. And then I just kind of kept growing, kept getting bigger. And the next thing you know, um, I was getting signed by Washington and was able to make the team and play seven years in the NFL. What's the best moment you've had on a football field? Man, that that's a great question. Um, well, I'll give you something that come to mind. Junior year of high school, uh, we beat Governor Mifflin High School. Touchdown at the end of the game to win it. They were a much bigger school than us. It was the last game of the year. Uh, that's a very fond memory. Senior year of college, we won at Yale in sort of similarly surprising fashion. Uh, that was a big one. And then starting for the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving against Washington, who had cut me a month earlier, was pretty cool. Pretty cool to be starting on Thanksgiving. You know, I think it's like the second most watched game, that Cowboys game. A lot of people watched that Thanksgiving game. That was that was cool. Did you guys win? And how did you play? Like, did you have grudges with your teammates? Like, how'd that work? Um, we did win, which made it really special. <clears throat> I actually went home the next day for my fifth year high school class reunion, which was amazing. I I highly recommend that before your fifth year high school class reunion. Highly recommend. Uh, you know, starting for the Dallas Cowboys the day before. <laughs> that was that was pretty awesome. Um, I, I wouldn't say I didn't have any grudges to the players. I, I love the players, but I did. I'd be lying if I didn't think about, hey, is there some way I can get one of these DBs and, and run them into Steve Spurrier on the sideline? Because Steve Spurrier is the one who had cut me. So I did think about that. How do you transition from your football career to then your media career now? Well, um, I always wanted to get in the media growing up. Um, and then, you know, you go to Princeton and you kind of forget about it because it's not really what people talk about there. It's all like finance and Wall Street stuff. <laughs> and then I got in the NFL. I did a bunch of other internships for Merrill Lynch. I interned for Roger Stahlback's commercial real estate company, the Stahlback company when I played for the Cowboys. So you really put time in in these other businesses but I always liked media. I guess the things I, that shied away from it for me were I could tell that the best jobs went to the best players, you know, the, the most well-known players. And I knew that wasn't going to be me. Plus, it seemed like everybody in the locker room said they wanted to be a broadcaster. And uh, that kind of turned me off. But then my last year, the NFL had a broadcast boot camp in 2007. It was the first time they had it. And I thought, I got to do something football. I don't want to coach. I'll probably get involved in finance and maybe I'll just call the Princeton games on the radio just so I have some football in my life. And so I did that and I went to the boot camp, and it went well. And next thing you know, I, I got hurt and um, started to get some, some job offers and I kind of had a media career out of nowhere. How's my front page story going too? I know that's been pretty big recently. It's going awesome, John. I appreciate you asking me about it. Yeah, it's a business I'm involved in. It is the greatest gift 
I've ever seen. I mean, the emails are just pouring in from people that got them for their significant others for Valentine's Day. They literally, you talk to like a reporter for 10 minutes, a writer, they write the most unbelievable story about your significant other. And I've seen videos of them like open it up, John. It's like, uh, what is this? And, and the husband or whatever is always like, I wanted something special for you. So I had a story written about you. They're always, that, that's a killer line. Like they're blown away by that. Wait, what do you mean? You had a story written about me? Yeah. And then when they say, I mean, it looks like it's on the cover of the Chicago Tribune. It looks beautiful. It's framed. And they usually cry. Like they'll read a quote. Like, I just don't ever thank her enough for all the little things she does for me and the family. They usually cry. It's pretty awesome. Where could people find it? Well, they can find me on social media at Ross Tucker NFL, certainly Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Got a YouTube page now, which is great, where you can find all the different shows, even money for betting, fantasy fees for fantasy. Of course, the Ross Tucker football podcast, um, all available YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. And don't forget to check out myfrontpagestory.com especially if you got a birthday or anniversary, maybe just to get ready for Mother's Day. And Ross, before we finish up today, last question, what's the funniest moment you've been a part of during your career? Funniest? Funniest. Oh. Um, I'm trying to think about that one. I don't know anything jumps out right away. Um, well, one is... Uh, it's not that funny, but Mike Williams, when we were in Buffalo, he, you know, he hurt his neck and took the ambulance in. And then we went in there at halftime and he was showering and we were like, <laughs> the ambulance in to, to get a shower. You know, like if you get in the ambulance, we think you're going to the hospital. We don't think when we come in at halftime, you're going to be in the shower. <laughs> Ross, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes with all of your endeavors moving forward and looking forward to the next time we chat for sure. John, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Great talk there with Ross Tucker. And that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Ross Tucker himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTobe, and Tomorrow Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaclum. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone.